Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the All-Star Break edition of Sharing Socks. I'm Southside Socks duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son, and currently, while he's in Chicago for the rehearsals of the the world premiere of his new play, uh, Next Door correspondent, Will, uh, and we uh, are taking the usual All-Star Break uh, uh, to take a look back and a look forward. Would you like to look forward or back first? Well, I certainly don't want to look back at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I, I think we should look back. Let's 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 go through back quickly and then forward. The the forward is the big thing at, at this point. You you look forward. It's something to look forward to. Uh but looking back, I happen to look at the individual D wars. This is um, and the D wars can vary a lot from fangraphs to baseball reference. These are the baseball reference ones, and. Of the 15 players who've had some amount of playing time uh, with the Sox and kind of count, eight of them are negative defensively. Led by Andrew Vaughn, of course, at minus 1.3. Uh, Gavin Sheets at minus 0.9. Uh, Grandal and Abreu, minus 0.6. Grandal doing that in relatively few games. Uh Burger at minus 0.5. I mean, you get the hang of it. On on the plus side, uh, and Robert's a negative. And there are reasons for Robert to be negative, even though he's a Golden Glove potential and has been there. Um, Plus side, uh, Reese McGuire, a 0.9. Josh Harrison, a 0.8. Kelly Savala, 0.4. And then um, Engel and Garcia. Coming in at point two. You notice a lot of things about the guys who are good defenders. They don't play very much. 
We like to play guys who can't catch the ball to throw it. It's 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 a Sox thing. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like uh, you know, low hanging fruit is uh, criticizing Sox defensive war at this point of the season. I'm honestly pretty shocked anybody has a positive war on the team outside of McGuire. Um, well, Josh has been very good. Yeah, he's been... And Angle's always very good. He, he'd be much higher, except he's played 68 games, but a bunch of those he's played one or two innings. So he yeah. didn't have... War's a cumulative thing, and he didn't have a chance to accumulate. I looked up, for comparison to some of our defenders, the guy, and if I just said, who do you think is the, is the worst defender of the last 25 years, might not be the game that leaps off the page, name that leaps off the page, although it might be. He'd certainly be near the top of the list. And that would be Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez oh. is a joke defender. Yeah, of course. But Manny Ramirez, over 19 years, averaged minus 1.2. So Andrew Vaughn, in half a season, is worse than the average full season of Manny Ramirez. To be fair, though, Manny Ramirez was playing the position he claimed to know how to play. <laughs> Andrew Vaughn is playing a position... That's true. We just throw them. That's, that's, that's because, because what the White Sox like to do is just sign as many designated hitters as humanly possible. We got <laughs> a lot of deals. Throw them around the field at will. Put them at first and left and right. Behind the plate. Anywhere. It's good. Well, you know, half the league needs DHs now. So we should spread that love and start getting rid of some of them. I mean, a, a new half of the league. The whole league needs DHs now. <laughs> So we should we should not be uh, so married to having eight of them at one time. On full war, Jose is great at two point eight. Uh, Luis two point three, terrific. Um, Tim one point six. At this point, we're a little over halfway done. You should be above two to be an all star level, and above one, like a one point one or so, to be a major league player, the major league starter. Major league level starter. Uh, the only other one who comes in close to that and doing it on very little play, so he rates, is Adam Engel, who doesn't get to play at all. I mean, an interesting thing, I looked up this too on Engel. He is hitting right handers much better than left handers this year. He's hitting right handers at 286, but he plays behind all these other guys when he can also play the field. I, I have a thing with the use of Adam. I really do. I think it's just horrible that he is underused the way he is. Well, it's weird. It's like we're still playing Adam Angle as if this is like 2017 Adam Angle, where you have a guy who can come in and catch a ball from and, and do a good job with that, but never gets hits. Well, he has now proven himself over and over to be an actual solid offensive player for this team. The team even jokes about it about how you bring in Adam Engel now as an offensive replacement instead of a defensive replacement. They're all aware that the guy tore up Minnesota the last four games. I mean, he's been, he's been great at the plate. He uh, certainly compared to a lot of our other guys. I mean, Lurie is, yes, he's now above 200. He got there just in time. Certainly out hitting sheets. Well, yeah. Sheets is out there to stumble around in the outfield. Right. It it truly makes no sense. I mean, Sheets gets at bats just because he's left-handed and our manager is clueless about anything. Um, so he's just looking at it and saying, well, we got to have a lefty in there, so let's put Sheets in. Uh, I'm sure that's a reason Laori starts 
a lot and plays a lot too is because he's a switch hitter, even though he doesn't really hit the ball from either side. Uh, but not playing Adam Engel at this point makes exactly zero sense. And maybe we'll see it in the second half of the season a bit more. Um, but it, it, there's just no excuse whatsoever for Adam Engel not to be in that game. Just in terms of base running, in terms of defense, of course. But he's he's hitting as well as almost anyone on the team right now. And he's weirdly hitting for power. It's it's a it's a guy that absolutely should be an everyday starter for the rest of the year. Do I think he will be? No. I think no, we will see an outfield that includes Lurie Garcia and Gavin Sheets on uh, Friday. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Uh, so they have not gotten back into to playing yet. But Friday night, I, I will be shocked if the Hall of Fame baseball person does the right thing and puts Adam Engel out there. <laughs> well, yeah, and one thing, I in the process of looking these things up, I looked up how many games. Now, the Sox played 92 games, 46 and 46. And I looked up how many each player has played, the, the position players. And as you would guess, the man who I have think is just far and away our MVP, um, Jose Abreu, they played 90 out of 92. And they probably had to tie him down to not play in the other two. I think it was after he got hit or something, right? Something like that. that yeah, he had, he had like a, a small, might even have been like a hand injury or something like that. That was very brief. Um, but yeah, I mean, 90 out of 92 games, that's kind of what I expect from a, a Major League Baseball player. Uh, I, I realize it's hot, it's summer and and whatnot but you know if we've played 92 games your starters your stars should all be over 80 i would say 80 is would be a magic number but you know we have nobody else over 74 Luis Roberts played 74 aj pollock 73 with an ops plus of 70 incidentally has played 73 games and, and, well, Pollock uh, did, uh, Pollock did go on, uh, Pollock was either on, uh, paternal or, or, uh, bereavement early on in the season for a little while. So he, he had a, a week or two that he would have been out because he was on that list, right? He played the first game and then I think he was gone for a week or so, maybe even more after that. Oh, yeah. Very, very early. Yeah. So yeah. he's, he's been overused, if anything. Uh, he's a very, I mean, he's a very average defender, 0.1 plus on the on the D war. Andrew Vaughn, 72 games, and that's it for anybody over 70. Well, and Andrew Vaughn is another example of bad management because even though yes, Andrew Vaughn is not good in the field, how many of those games should Andrew Vaughn have been starting? It's a lot more than the what? What did you just say? He played at, at the DH. I mean, come on. That's ridiculous to have a guy who's hit, hitting 300 at least and hits for power and, you know, has got a lot of spirit and is an important part of this team. Uh, the number of times my White Sox friend group text thread has, has popped up with, wait, Andrew Vaughn's not playing again? <laughs> uh, it's been shocking. There's well, a- of course, he can't. No I, I don't know that the application of don't run hard, guys, uh, applies to him because you can't tell. Um, I think it, Andrew Vaughn runs very hard slow. every time. I think, I think he tries his best. <laughs> I think that's just all there is to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, otherwise, nobody over 70 games. Uh, Angles at, next at 68, but a lot of that is ninth, eighth, ninth inning defensive replacement when he should be playing the whole game. And, and on down it goes. It's just 
really, really, it's just like we've got a bunch of 80 year old men out there who just can't uh, handle playing major. I, I know they've got to have time off. I, I, I don't expect anybody to play 162 games or even 155 games, but 150 seems reasonable. 145 at least. Nobody's headed to that. Nobody is except Jose. Jose, who is the oldest player? The on oldest the player on the team. It is uh, on the pitching side. It's, it's exactly what you'd expect. So I won't go into the numbers, except for one that sticks out to me, which is that Michael Kopech has pitched 83 innings, and being a typical White Sox starter. Although they have in the last week or two, they've been listening. We've been screaming about how many pitches they throw, and both Giolito and Cease figured out how to throw fewer pitches in an inning. So I guess they listened to the show. And, For and one they week, they did. For yeah, one well, week, well, they did. That's important. They listened to the show and decided, well, I don't really have to go to three and two on everybody. I can strike him out on one and two. It'll work. Yeah, someone – I think the best thing Ethan Katz did was at some point last week he told Giolito and Cease that – there's a zone you can throw it in uh, that's right in front of the catcher, like right in front of the catcher. And if you throw that's it in to the be, zone, to, be, to be fair here, they don't get that little box we get on TV. It's true. It's true. You know what? Good call. I, I'm speaking out of turn. You're right. You're right. Um, Kopech, though, has pitched 83 innings. Now, all of the – that's more than he's pitched last year, which means more than any season ever. Uh the talk from the beginning of the season was 120 to 130, forgetting how many pitches per inning, 120 to 130. Well, we're just over halfway through and he's at 83, and they're going to be having to take it easy with him, which we'll get into with the future thing of what the Sox should be doing at this point. But I think his load's going to have to come down. And I noticed in the schedule for the Cleveland series, because after the first four games, coming out with Cleveland, it's it's a silly series. I mean, it's just like wandering down to AAA. It's Colorado, uh, Kansas City, Texas. I mean, it's just the dregs of baseball. Oakland. Um, <laughs> but they've got the four with Cleveland, which, and we should point this out because we said, we're not going any more tickets. This is not going to happen until LaRusa gets fired. We are going to the game Sunday, but it's because you got three tickets. Yes, through through charity donation. Yes, so these are these are tickets that we did not contribute any funds whatsoever to uh, Jerry Reinsdorf's pocket, and not in any way, not even indirectly, because it was a charity donation in the first place. Exactly, White Sox charities. So, uh, and that's going to be that's going to be interesting. Cease and Bieber. I mean, I, I really look forward to that. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled that we're going to see that matchup. I I'm still frustrated with Dylan Cease. I know that that's an unpopular opinion, and I say I'm here every week. I've been the biggest Cease supporter from the start. He this past week, I was proud of our guy for getting through seven innings. Um, we'll see what happens. I think it could easily be a game where Cease is out after four and two thirds and 110 pitches, and Bieber throws into the eighth at 85 pitches. Uh, because Cleveland's a lot more disciplined at the plate than the White Sox are. And we, I mean, the last time we faced Bieber, we what? We we made him throw like six pitches an inning or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> yeah, we, right. we swung at every single pitch he threw. He, at one point, he had thrown 50 pitches, and like 42 of them were strikes or something like that. It was just ridiculous. We forced him to go nine innings. So. <laughs> we did. We did. We really wiped him out. Um 
I, I'm obviously looking forward to this pitching matchup. You can't have a better one. I appreciate that we're not just throwing a scrub up against Bieber and conceding the game. I always think it's more interesting when they set up these matchups so that the elite pitchers actually face each other, which is... And I, and I think the Hall of Famer baseball person set up because Cleveland had posted its pitchers way early. I mean, like, when I looked right after the All-Star game, they posted, and the Sox didn't post until late Wednesday. So Tony had the choice of the matchups. And so what's the, what are the, what are the matchups leading up to that one? Um, I, for, I forget the, the White Cleveland Sox ones. Going, I mean, uh, Giolito. Okay. And then the doubleheader one, which is a, it's a makeup game, uh, will be Cueto and who am I missing here? Lynn. Lynn. It's gotta be Lynn. Yeah. Because Kopech has the series off. Ooh. Lynn. Ooh. Well, who knows? They may be pitching a, a 27th man against him. So, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very excited to, for this pitching matchup on Sunday. I think it, in a lot of ways it's going to tell us a lot of what to expect moving forward. Yes, we have this ridiculously easy schedule following that. But as you know, as someone who has predicted uh, series outcomes on this <laughs> podcast this year, um, none of those games will be easy for us either. And in fact, road games in Colorado could get really ugly really fast, depending on who we have pitching. Um, well, I presume Kopech will be the first one. And then Giolito. And, and the big issue, which going back to Kopech, you know, it's it's one thing to have 83 innings, but it's another thing to have 83 innings for the White Sox. Because a lot of guys out there can have thrown 83 innings and not, have thrown as many pitches as a lot of other guys. Well, we kind of function the opposite way where 83 innings is probably 110 innings worth of pitches. Uh, so you're in, in real overworking zone with a lot of these guys at this point. And we're so bad at eating innings. Our starters are that they're not even, you know, you look at the list of who's thrown the most innings. Our guys don't touch most of the guys in the league yet. Our pitch counts are very comparable uh, to what these guys throw. So that is something that absolutely has to change. I, I think it was a really good sign uh, from Giolito this week. Really good sign to see him get through seven innings and to look pretty darn good doing it. Um, his pace of pitching went up, and I think that actually benefits him. I think he does better when he is controlling the pace of the game, much like Shane Bieber does. Uh, he is not as good when he takes that, you know, 30 minute break in between pitches that we often see from Cease or, uh, from Giolito when he's not doing well. And, uh, with Dylan getting through seven innings, I mean, if Dylan can continuously get through seven innings, he is the best right hander in Major League Baseball. I mean, he's striking guys out all over the place. His stuff is just nasty. But if he's only going to make it through five innings, there's a limit there. Um, we should take our break here, though, before we talk about the, the future. future, which I'm actually pretty positive about. I, I I think we may we may have some things going our way moving forward. But uh, we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back on sharing socks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We talked about the dreaded past, which uh, in ESPN's most recent um, sort of uh, recap slash projection referred to the White Sox as the most disappointing team in Major League Baseball this year, which is actually hard to argue common phrase used when describing this team it's it's pretty harsh for a, a a team that's at the the 500 mark but also we should absolutely not be at that mark um one thing that ESPN and talked we're about, in the AL Central exactly uh one thing they talked about were these injuries because injuries are the number one thing White Sox fans like to point to as the reason we're not doing well and they mentioned Moncada, Grandal, Lynn, uh, these are guys who have missed a lot of playing time, but as Aloy. ESPN and Aloy, but as ESPN pointed out, when they've played, they have sucked. Uh, so they've actually been pretty irrelevant. Um, the team has started actually getting the bats going, which has been a lot more fun to watch for us, uh, in that week leading up to the All Star break. We started putting up, you know, more than one or two runs a game against mediocre pitchers and, and that was exciting. Uh, ESPN does not really have high hopes for the White Sox moving forward. They they put them in a, a tier of teams that they say you might see in the postseason, uh, which we certainly can't argue, sitting at 500. We have no argument there. Uh, I think they are in the same tier as the Mariners, which is a little perplexing to me makes me kind of actually throw their whole thing out the door because the Mariners are as hot as hot can possibly I guess the might on the Mariners would be the Mariners aren't going to catch the Astros and so they have to get a wild card which means they have to beat one of the AL East teams that is true well two of them if you include Baltimore which is Incredibly high. Who was in the but, same tier? Who was? But the, they can't, they can't be behind more than 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 say Toronto and Tampa Bay. So they they've got a tough position for that. Whereas the White Sox have a chance, a decent chance. Uh, as far as winning the division, I looked at the three Zips and Pakoda at five thirty eight. Two of the three uh, Zips and five thirty eight have the White Sox winning the division. Pakoda has. Them losing all of it by one game, one way or the other, with Cleveland within a game. I mean, it's all, it's just right, right there. Uh, Brett Valentini, our boss, uh, did his own projection going uh, series by series by series by series all the way through uh, the season. And he ends up predicting that the Sox will tie the Guardians and therefore will not go to the playoffs because of the head-to-head matchup, which is the first tiebreaker. Now, how come how come the Twins are just being sort of completely written off here? Well, and I think that's where we go interesting looking to the future. Twins have horrible pitching problems. And the question, I think, for the Twins is, I think they can be in it all the way or win it if they are able to go out on the market and get pitchers. And they'll have to compete against big money teams to get that. But if they get one of the big guy starters – and uh, a top-notch reliever. I, I, I would not be at all surprised if they get David Robertson. Well, and I think I think with the Twins too, you know, they will. I think 
they will live or die by Byron Buxton. You know, Byron yes, Buxton. If Buxton, if Buxton been, goes into another extended slump, they're, they're in, out of it. They're in real trouble. I mean, he is he is the lifeblood of that team. Even even a team that has someone like Luis Arias, who is remarkable at putting the bat on the ball. One of my favorite players to watch. I just wish he was on a different team. Uh, but with Buxton, you know, the guy had some pop, of course, uh, but we saw very, very poor uh, batting average numbers from, from Buxton in the first half of the he's, season. He's chasing a lot. When he gets into a slump, he chases. It's Big time. Like a lot of players do. Big time. Um, and he's got to kind of control that because nobody throws him a strike. Yeah, and and I think you know when it comes to the Twins being in the picture, it all comes down to to pitching and Byron Buxton. I don't see a world where the Twins are at all in the chase for Luis Castillo or or any of the other big time starters. I just don't know that they would be willing to part with what they would have to part with to get those players. Um, David Robertson certainly could happen. Um, I could even see someone like that coming to the White Sox, so it's unlikely that we will do anything uh, productive or helpful before the trade deadline. Um, who do you think? So, so we're talking about moving forward. We've got some huge pitching problems with the White Sox. Um, the most glaring one, of course, being Lance Lynn, who and then has, and then then Keiko's innings, Keiko's workload. Kopech's I mean, Keiko, Keiko, Kopech's workload. Thank Keiko's workload is, is going to be at his son's little league game pitching. Thank batting goodness batting. we're not sitting here talking about Keiko's workload. That would be <laughs> a really bad position to be in. Keiko, who... Those K guys, they, they confuse yeah. old people. Who rested... Yeah, Kopech's workload is, is a bit of a problem. If you get DFA'd by the Diamondbacks in 2022, I I think it's over for you. So, um, the, uh, sorry, Dallas. Uh, the Athletic... Uh, one of their guys ran a column on the 10 best starters available and listed three matchups amongst the likely teams that would want to go get them. The first one where the White Sox get mentioned at all is uh, number five, which is uh, Kyle Freelander of Colorado. And he's a lefty, which is very good for the White Sox. Could use one of those. Uh, he's got a 446 ERA, but he pitches in Colorado. Uh, right. And he's apparently a big breaking ball guy, and that's really bad to be in Colorado because breaking balls don't break. Uh, and the other one where they list the White Sox first uh, is down, I think they list him as the number seven overall best, is one of the most famous of all, Madison Bumgarner. That's not a – I mean, that'd be a great fit. I don't know what Arizona would want. Certainly, we've got expendable guys in the majors – who are under team control for a long time. Gavin Sheets comes to mind. There's no reason for Gavin Sheets to be on this team. We've got 14 designated hitters. Um, and as the as our token lefty, he is not really getting it done. So, no. you know, uh, I, I have no clue what Arizona And we've got Grandal coming back. Who really isn't going to catch? Probably, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we keep three catchers at least until Sebi is. Uh, he's uh, coming back he's, down. He's to five Earth. for his last twenty-nine, so he's coming. He's coming back to normal, uh, and he may come to very bad. But as long as he's adequate, he's better than Grandal behind the plate. Pretty much anybody is, and 
Uh, I mean, technically, money, if you're adequate batting, you're better than Grandall because <laughs> Grandall is hitting about a buck fifty. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ed, but at least Grandall's a left-handed bat. If you need a left-handed pinch hitter with power late in a game, it might as well be Grandall as Sheets. Absolutely. And you're not getting rid of Grandall because you're paying him $600 billion, trillion. So, yeah. And I nobody's going to pick him up. There's no way in the world you're going to trade him to anybody. He's, he's, he's untradeable unless you, I don't know, even if you took the whole salary, if he's tradable. Um, yeah, he's not tradable. Um, I mean, the only situation where he's tradable is a catastrophic injury to two catchers on a major contending team. And, I don't even wish that on any team or their players. So Grandall is, is very untradeable. I, I think you're exactly right. He should just become our lefty off the bench. He's got power. If Reese McGuire hit for power at all, we wouldn't even talk about Grandall ever playing, <laughs> really, because McGuire is far superior defensively. He's also seemingly at least a little bit better at the plate. Uh, these days in terms of, of just putting the bat on the ball. And uh, yeah, I, I just, it's a mess, an absolute mess of below average DHs that we have on this team. I would do personally sheets for Baumgartner straight up. I think that's, I don't know that Arizona would take that. I think, I think they'd want something thrown in. Yeah. We've got a bunch of, they're never going to be anything pitchers hanging around. They may, they might want of our triple A pitchers. Sure, uh, sure. That that's kind of what I want. A triple A pitcher in straight up. sheets because they're, they're going to need somebody to put in rotation. He's in the he's in the rotation. So um, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like that. Those guys. Um, I think that's an interesting option. Freelander is a, a really great option. I you know personally would love it if we don't trade for him till after the Colorado series, just in case we can face a left-hander with breaking balls that don't break <laughs> in Colorado. Yeah, it would be nice to uh, whoop up on Freelander before snagging him. Um, but I, I think we have to do something for starting pitching because Lynn just doesn't have it. And that's not to say he's not going to get better. He certainly could get better, but he's not going to be great. He's not going to be dominant this year. Whatever is plaguing him injury-wise, he has not fully recovered from. Kopech is already overpitched, so we're going to have to see a dramatic decrease in his, you know. And we we really have nothing. The only thing in the minors we have is Davis Martin, who's been a pleasant surprise. But I think he's a pleasant surprise if he pitches once a month. Well, and we Not do have Ronaldo Lopez, who has actually been very. Oh, look, he's been great in the bullpen, and we can't afford to great, lose him in the bullpen. But you don't, you don't want to bring him to the starting position because you need him in the bullpen because our starters only go five innings. So you can't just move Lopez up because then you got nobody who can eat the middle of the game at that point. You can't bank on Tanner Banks going out there every single day and trying to get it done. Um, I think our absolute most desperate move is we we need a starting pitcher who can go out there and and you know with freehands ERA around 446 in Colorado let's call that 390 anywhere else and 350 350 even I know I'm I'm going on the high end and that isn't bad that is not bad for the American League starter these days you if we had a, a number four, number five guy who's got a, a 360, 370, 380 ERA, oh, yeah. you, you and I are taking that 
every day. We are absolutely cool with that, especially if our bats heat up and our runs per game head on the trend that they're heading. Um, I mean, it, it would be ideal to get someone like like Freelander. The the issue there is who do you have to give up for someone like that? I, I think it's easier to trade sheets and a scrub for Baumgartner than it is to trade sheets and a scrub for Freelander. I, oh, I agree, because Colorado also, uh, you see these write-ups all the time about the Rockies. Mysteriously, they think they're still in it. You know, and they're, I think they go back to that season where they won, like, what is it, 20 of the last 21 games? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, we're in it. We're in it until the end. That, that, that's immortalized uh, in Colorado ownership minds. Um, well, and also, like, with what the Atlanta Braves did, Last year, now everyone thinks that they're under a 500 team at the break can win the World Series, which I'm sure the owners are sitting there being like, God, I wish people would stop thinking that so that we can do our rebuild and tank for seven years and just be fine with it. Uh, Colorado's going nowhere in the NL West. They are going nowhere. So they will 100% be sellers. It's just a matter of how much they're going to want for someone like Freelander. Of course, we would give up sheets to Colorado in a heartbeat. The question is, what additional kinds of pieces would they want? I, I think they'd want sheets and Stever and somebody else. Yeah. Probably Cespedes. <laughs> exactly. And if it's Cespedes or Colas or Montgomery or something like that, obviously those are deal breakers. That's not, that's not worth doing for, for, uh, for Kyle Freelander, but uh, I do think starting pitching is going as much as it's a problem now. It's going to be so much more of a problem in two months that we are absolutely going to need a, a new guy. And honestly, it would be a catastrophe for us right now if Johnny Cueto wasn't doing what he was doing. Oh yeah, you oh, know, yeah, calling up Johnny under. Cueto while he's in the hot tub drinking a beer and saying, "Hey man, you want to play Major League Baseball still?" And then Cueto showing up and being like, sure, and I'm also still good at it, uh, has has really saved this season to this point for us in a lot of ways. So I don't know exactly what the answer is. I don't expect the White Sox to make any smart moves whatsoever before the deadline. What do you think the smart move by Cleveland will be? They need a bat. Unless Fran Reyes suddenly mysteriously comes out of a season-long slump. Which he was starting to right He was starting to do. I have no clue what Cleveland's going to do. Now, what they obviously need and will not get is Wilson Contreras. Because Wilson Contreras is going somewhere. But I'm guessing the Mets, McCann is now, I think, out for the year, most of the year, and he wasn't playing well anyway. I would guess the Mets, with their infinite supply of money, uh, plus I'm sure people to give away, will will end up getting Contreras, outbidding anybody with whatever bodies they have to put on the line. Yeah, the Mets definitely make the most sense there. Uh, Cleveland, of course, would absolutely love to have them i think well they've got a great they've got a great farm system they're one of the top two or three farm systems in everybody's ratings and we all know goodness knows if you're in the american league central you know they develop young pitchers left right and forwards they they could go down to your, your neighborhood softball game down here and pick out three guys and turn them into major league pitchers in three years so they could afford to give up a couple of young pitchers to the Cubs to get Contreras. Yeah, they absolutely could. Uh, it's just whether or not they will. You know, they're kind of a 
a stingy team and uh when it comes to front office stuff most of the time uh um, they're very stingy but you're talking about a salary for less than half a season absolutely and and someone who is a, a proven double upgrade for many of their current catchers if cleveland gets wilson contreras that i think opens up a whole new world of hurt for the white Sox in terms of this division uh, because Contreras is so dramatically better than anyone Cleveland has for that position uh, and so dramatically better than anyone we have for that position. I, I think it opens up a, a whole new world of hurt for us if they're able to land someone like that. I mean, that's... Oh, a... while, while we're on the Cubs, the Cubs things, because I mentioned two left-handed pitchers because those were the two on, on uh, the Athletics uh, top 10 list. There's a lefty who used to pitch for us and used to pitch for the Cubs and is now with the Pirates. I love Jose Quintana. I always have. He's pitching very well. He's had some rough times, but he is pitching very well this year. Uh, If you don't get Freelander or Baumgartner, I think that's one to go for. Yeah, and, and I'd love also, to see him back with the Sox. He's also going to come at a, a very, I think, affordable price. You know, yeah, it's the Pirates. You know? it's, it's the Pirates. He's at the end of his career in a lot of ways, so I, I think he's certainly a guy we could get. Am I? You know, is my mouth watering at the idea of getting Jose <laughs> Quintana? I don't think so, uh, but he certainly has been better. And while his numbers have come against the NL Central. If you're going to switch to another division and post similar numbers, it's the AL Central, the, <laughs> the other real stink show of a division. Um, that is all the time we have for this week. Uh, baseball starts up again tomorrow, which I'm very excited about. I don't think there's any days of summer more boring than the uh, Wednesday and Thursday that come after the All-Star game. Well, there, there's some games today, but you just don't happen to be one of them. Right, right. You're right. Um, but um, I'm very thankful that we will be back in action tomorrow and that we will be able to check out the, uh, the marquee pitching matchup of Sunday in person. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off this week? No, I, I think, uh, if we're looking at the future, I agree with every prediction I've seen in the sense that I think it's, it's going down to the end. Yes, it will be going down to and the And there will be no wild card from the Central. So you're either going to win the division or not, and it's going down to the end. And it could go down to the end three-way. 100%. Absolutely could. I, I totally agree and with you. Six your of the last nine team. games are against the Twins. Wow. Yeah, it's it's going to come down to that. There's no doubt about it. The The division's too tight right now, and nobody is, is really – shining at all the twins were at one point but that's kind of fizzled out cleveland really was and then they went on their horrible streak uh so we'll see what happens but that's all the time we have for today we will actually have some white Sox baseball to talk about next week so we will see you next time on sharing socks